Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys. I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. Hey Lainey. Hey Ashley, what's up? So you know that old expression, the only thing guaranteed in life is death and taxes? Yes, I'm, I'm aware. Well, that is what today's story is about. Every single human to have walked and is walking the planet is guaranteed to die at some point. Wow. If our listeners didn't know that already, I am so sorry. She just put that information on you. <laughs> today's story takes us to Paris, France, to one of their hottest tourist attractions. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> One of the few French words we know, especially for the morbid peeps like ourselves. We'll be talking about the catacombs of Paris. Today's episode will be less spooky other than talking about human bones. I will say that it's a little gross. So if you're on your way to dinner and you have a sensitive stomach, you should pause this and come back later. So for those that don't know, a catacomb is basically an underground cemetery. The word catacomb means next to the quarry, or if it's been influenced by Greek or Latin roots, because apparently we don't really know, it means among the tombs. Also called an ossuary, which is just more of a vague term of where we deposit bones. Deposit? Yes. Like Like you go to the bank and you need to deposit your bones and like, hey, I I need to get my femur back. Can I get that back? So one of the most fascinating things about humans to me is how we deal with the dead. There really isn't much consistency in someone's final resting place. I think Seinfeld said it where he talks about us not understanding death, hence we give the dead a pillow. Personally, I would like to be cremated, which I told Casey I would like to be put in an hourglass with my ashes so I can still hang out with the family, which she thought was you time them really like creepy. Really yeah, I'll be for- like a cool timer hanging out like if they want family game night or just to talk about this weird so you pretty still glass want to be competitive and keep people on time even beyond the grave so i'm competitive i'm never on time i'll just be honest about that laney how would you like to uh depart the planet don't don't tell me how you want to die that's not what i'm asking but like <laughs> what do you want to happen with your body when you die because that's what today's episode is about well i also want to be cremated i know that you know just the amount of people on this earth there is not enough room for everyone to be buried anymore these days uh, i also don't want to be stuck underground with like a bunch of random strangers in a cemetery um, so I would like to be cremated. I think, you know, the tree thing is really cool. A beautiful tree can blossom where I lay. You know, yeah. uh, it might change if I have a husband or kids in the future. If they want to keep my ashes as, you know, on the mantle to hang out, I'll do that. But I, I don't want to be made into an hourglass. So I'll leave that for you. This is just a random passing thought. But, you know, people like, so Casey and our mom, me and Lainey's mom, um, passed away. They, they died within three years apart from each other. And um, Casey's mom's ashes are at a tree on the property um, of her husband. But it's interesting that we do that when people die, but then people also do that with a placenta when people are born. That's really like a circle of life thing. Like what if you put the placenta there and then when you died, they put your ashes there. That would be... I did not know people buried placentas. I've heard of the moms eating the placenta. 
Yes, placenta pills. Oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is really stressing me out. You said it was going to be gross, but uh, oh. that's because I went off my notes and I just swallowed the placenta here. <laughs> I want to say there there is no judgment to that. It's just not how we were raised. So it is a really strange thought to us, but more power to you if that's your thing. So there are a lot of ways to depart this planet. So funerals, burials, cremation, buried at sea donated to science. I mean, the options are seemingly endless. But what's wild is we bury so many people without really thinking about the long-term plan on what to do with the rest of us and future people that occupy Earth. Uh, We can't bury everyone. That's just not sustainable. Uh, Even in Japan, they almost always cremate now because they literally have run out of space to bury people also, hence their 200 square feet homes that they've really done a great job on making their tiny homes, but there's just no space for anybody, so they don't bury anymore. But um, maybe had, in general, people thought about that, uh, for the booming population and future generations of the dead, they would have started burying people vertically rather than horizontally. Not that I want to spend my eternal years standing, but at least there'd be more room. Yeah, seems like they would have some achy knees and legs yeah. in their afterlife. Yeah. That's, that sounds nuts. It's a really weird thought. And I just feel like they would have to do a lot of uh, rearranging of existing graves. And I don't even want to think about that. I don't even know where I thought of that. I think I heard it on Everybody Loves Raymond, where Marie <laughs> like gets the burial, like gets the plots for everybody, and she asked Deborah if she minded like being buried vertical so she could fit. It was something really <laughs> random like that. But as I was going through this and I was thinking of the different ways to be buried, I, I thought about being buried vertically rather than horizontally to save space, but that's all a weird thought, okay? It's all very weird. It just sounds uncomfortable, and like even thinking of burying people you know, 100 years from now, there's going to be a lot of disturbing of graves to make all this happen, it seems like. Yeah, you're right, and that's where today's story is going to take us, is disturbing a lot of graves. The disturbance of graves, you say? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, But the biggest problem, and like, I don't know if you know this, but they're not making land anymore. So we only have so much of it. So burying people is really not a good long-term sustainable plan. Okay, enough on that. Um, So the Paris catacombs aren't the first, though, and not the last. Did you know that under um, a church in New York, there is a small catacomb? Because I did not know that. I did not know that. I have heard of others, but now I can't even rack my brain to think where they are. How many people are in New York? I don't. It's not very many people. I don't. I don't. I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) But it was done for like a short amount of time. Um, And there, I think they're about 200 years old. Um, But there's also catacombs in Rome, which, quick detour from Paris here, these were primarily Jewish, pagan, and early Christian citizens of Rome. The Jewish were really some of the first to build out the catacombs. Um, wonder if we have any family there. It's quite possible. Very possible. So these catacombs are hella old. These burials started around year 100. Wow. Um, to year 400. Christians, especially during this time, did not believe in burials the way pagans did. Pagans were burying the dead. Christians at the time 
so interesting because it's kind of how I think of things. They believe that land was too expensive and valuable to be placing dead bodies. That's amazing. Yes. Very smart. So we seem to know it back then, but like kind of forgot about that now. And again, I go back to, I have plenty of family that are buried in cemeteries. So this is just my thought now, like really understanding. And of course I'm a realtor, so I I do see land as valuable and I just don't think we need to be buried in it for eternity. I totally just changed my mind on my burial. I want a Viking funeral. Oh, that's amazing. I was like, righteous. Righteous. <laughs> oh my God, our, our audio levels just spiked. Yes, if I'm going to get I forgot about I, that. Yes, I want okay. to be sent off into the water. What water? You want, to, you want me to do it in my pool? You oh. could just bop back and forth between the edges. It's the smelling of my flesh in your backyard. I'm thinking, um, let, let me just ponder on that. It's probably going to be a beautiful lake. It's definitely not going to be your pool. Or Okay, well, if you don't write it, if you don't put it in writing, it's going to be my pool, just so you know. You don't really want that. You do. <laughs> So getting back on this, it's interesting, though, that back then they already had the idea that land was valuable. And then somewhere along the way, people said, screw it, just keep burying bodies there. So they really did influence the underground cemeteries, miles of pathways underneath the ground in Rome. Rome law did not allow for people to be buried within the city. So their catacombs are outside of Rome, which is a good idea because we're going to see what happens in Paris. And you don't need to being buried in the city ended up being a horrible idea. So when somebody someone passed away, this is still in Rome, they would get wrapped and placed in the catacomb with a kind of gravestone usually made of baked clay. In Rome, the Edict of Milan signed in the year 313 AD allowed, okay, sorry, I said this in an oxymoronic way, allowed the persecution of Christians to cease. Okay, so they stopped the persecution of Christians. And they could freely purchase land and cemeteries. Um, I'm sorry, it was land for churches and cemeteries. Um, They did continue to use the catacombs for about 100 more years. And then uh, Rome has actually 60 different catacombs over the span of 100 miles. And just a little warning, um, there are a lot of children that are buried in those catacombs because of the high infant mortality rate of the time. And it's just that's worth noting, because if you're anything like me, you'll be taken aback by seeing a children's section. Anytime I pass that in a cemetery, it's just it's very hard because it's something that nobody should ever have to go through. Yeah, Um, no parent. No grandparent, no aunt, no uncle. Sorry, I'm not forgetting about the men, but nobody should have to go through that. That's tough for anyone to see, I I think, and I expect. Yeah. So we're going to move on from sad to just sticking to the the morbid and dark. So back to Paris. So these catacombs started in the late 1700s, but it started more out of necessity than anything else. And its creation and purpose are super interesting. Now, you're getting a little history lesson with me, but part of the story here goes way back to before Jesus days. So Paris had a lot of valuable minerals. The land itself spent millions of years underwater. So when the land began to appear, there were sedimentary deposits that were very helpful and useful uh, when they were building out the city. So the original fort in today's Paris was called Lucocia, which basically translate to, translates to swamp in Latin. Wow, I was about to say Lucocia sounds really pretty. <laughs> sounds like a, a luxurious lotion, but uh, it's swamp. Yeah, swamp lotion. <laughs> yeah, that swamp lotion. Um, Feeling sexy for a Friday night, putting on my Lucocia. <laughs> 
scaring all the men away. Get the extra spritz of Lakotia. <laughs> um, so that just kind of says something about the land before it became so populated. What's interesting is that when people started building in Paris, they were actually using the deposited limestone underneath them starting in the 1300s. But when they were doing this, they were taking what was reinforcing the ground out from under them and putting it on top of the city and not replacing much to reinforce the terrain. Uh, They would do enough to reinforce it for workers that were mining in there, but not really thinking about building on top and the new weight that is going to be for the long term. Yeah, exactly. People tend to not think about the long-term plans here and we're very short-term plan because that just sounds better and uh, so as the city grew so did the weight and underneath were more and more mines pulling from limestone so in the mines much uh, much of the hard ground was being taken and again built on top so it's getting kind of heavy this gave people in the city multiple problems Uh, one was the removal of topsoil which To get into the quarries, they had to, of course, remove the topsoil, which farmers needed for healthy crops. So issue number one, now you're causing food issues, food shortages. And the city began growing exponentially for the next few hundred years. So food would be an issue. But on top of that, the next big issue here is they were using that limestone to build walls and buildings. Every time the city outgrew itself, they'd tear down the walls and they'd rebuild new ones further out over and over again. So in these hundreds of years, they're just tearing away everything that's holding it up and adding to it. And also the land that they can farm on. Yes. No, I'm not going to say everything, but yes, a good chunk of... Wow. We're going to see a lot of problems for the future generations of Paris. Sounds like it. Yeah. So by the end of the tunneling, uh, about 10% of Paris is sitting on top of the tunnels. So lastly, not really the last problem, but for now it is, uh, when they exhausted the resources from the quarries, the tunnels were abandoned, but not gone or forgotten. They became a place for criminals to hide. Because of this, you know they had thieves and all sorts of colorful people wandering the, the tunnels at night. And actually, what's crazy is many of the basements to people's houses back to the tunnels. So you could go out your basement and into oh, one of these tunnels. Oh, hell like that someone could just sneak into your house that's exactly what was happening thieves would come the front door and the basement door (laughs) yes so it literally got so bad that uh, the government had to warn citizens you have to lock up your basements and keep those access ways so criminals can't get into your house oh my gosh i just imagine stacks of potatoes against the basement door like the kids being scared you love a good potato shed Uh, oh yes (laughs) i love potato shed (laughs) assuming what is with you and potatoes man i just love them man (laughs) love my carbohydrates Uh, uh, they're heavy and safe and can you know hold a door shut there's plenty of use for potatoes wow too bad they go bad and start rotting and i know I don't know what. Sometimes I, it really bites me in the butt to buy the Costco potatoes. Sometimes it's really good. And me and Casey's first house, taking a little detour here. Me and Casey, when we lived in our first house, it actually didn't have a pantry, which I didn't realize until we moved in. I was like, where the heck do we put the food? Um, so we had to put it in random cabinets. But when we Costco shop, there's nowhere to put like big products. So um, sacks of potatoes. Yeah. So that sack of potatoes went in the cabinet behind our pots and then we forgot about it 
Oh. And then, you know, there's flies. And we're like, where the heck are these flies coming from? And then one day, Casey moves a particular pot, and it's housing a bunch of flies. And now the potatoes essentially turned into vodka at that point, except not really vodka. Um, And it was disgusting. So it was a sad story. And I was really upset that I bought those potatoes and just forgot about them. It's a great segue. Please don't ever talk about your rotten food again. Okay. Well, I'm going to start talking about rotten bodies soon. So that was just a little taste of what's to come. A little tater taste. Yeah, a little tater taste. Um, A book I read called The Catacombs of Paris by Charles River Editors. He said, over centuries, smugglers, fugitives, thieves, radicals, and vagrants all took refuge there, and the underground caverns of Paris developed a shadowy reputation of evil. Some even claimed the devil himself lived beneath Paris. Four centuries later, a charlatan named Caesar took advantage of this rumor and sold tickets to curious seekers, claiming they would be shown Satan's own lair. <laughs> it was selling tickets to Satan's lair? Yeah. Brilliant, man. <laughs> Brilliant. And you know how morbid people are, but also there's like no TV at the time, so that's your entertainment. I probably would have bought in a ticket. Yeah. I mean, bought in. I would have bought in a ticket. would have bought in a ticket. I would have purchased one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So he did get arrested for this, ended up at the Bastille until he died. Okay. So uh, as we keep going, keep in mind, you have a whole last city on top of these quarries. When they were tunneling, they, again, like I said, they braced them enough for the workers, but it was not meant for the heavy weight of the buildings. Oh my gosh, did a lot of people get crushed? Oh my god, my next line is, do you see where I'm going with this? I wish I said that, and then you said, do a lot of people get crushed? (laughs) I'm sorry. Yes, Lainey, literally Paris started caving in on itself. Uh, They hastily pulled the resources uh, and got sloppy once demand got high and population got so big. So, yes, there were cave-ins. Sometimes those cave-ins were single houses. Side note. Oh. Yeah, can you imagine, like, going to bed one night and all of a sudden your freaking house falls through the ground no and just to give you some perspective here you're not falling through the ground like three feet you're falling about 80 feet into the ground and so you're probably dead yeah you're probably I, I you're hope. you're dead you hope i mean I yes that would be really painful no that would be the case 80 feet is pretty far but you're also within a structure so i i don't know who survived that i didn't get those that kind of data but sometimes it wasn't a single house sometimes it was entire streets and in one incident of a sinkhole there were seven lives that were claimed at that one incident so parisians are getting pretty pissed they're getting pretty freaked out um they're worried they're gonna go walk down the street and get plummeted 80 plus feet into the earth so, due to that panic in 1776, Marika. Wow. What happened in 1776, Lainey? We found America. We found Wait, it. The <laughs> <laughs> we found it. <laughs> we stumbled across this piece of land called America. Uh, yes, you started saying it, the Declaration of Independence. Yes, the Declaration. <laughs> Anyway, 1776 in France, Louis XVI hired someone to map out the tunneling system and figure out how to brace the city. And by 1777, the administration created a new government department called the Inspection Unit for the Quarries Below Paris and the Surrounding Plains. Oh my gosh, I hope they said that whole entire name every time they introduced themselves. (laughs) Hi, my name's Ashley. I work for the Inspection Unit of the Quarries Below Paris and the Surrounding Plains. (laughs) Great. Lovely. Uh, The architect that led this um, was, I I don't know how to say his whole name, and I'm going to pre-apologize for botching it, but I believe you pronounce it Guillaume. 
Um, this job description was to prevent collapses around the city. So, you know, no big deal. The way he did this was basically to follow the streets and, and major buildings where most of the damage could be done if it was not properly braced, which it wasn't. Um, and he used pillars to basically hold it up. So essentially just adding in extra pillars. And most of it followed the roads. So at least it was helping keeping the roads from falling through sinkholes. So this issue is going on in Paris, okay? So we're going to shift gears to other things that were going on in Paris. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Like I said, the city was growing exponentially. And really, it was since the Middle Ages. So between year 500 going into the 1700s here is massive growth. So you have 1,200 years of growth. And you have 1,200 years of burials. The Gross. population was busting. Bust, so bust it wide open. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> So it's going to lead to problems with infrastructure, housing, disease, burying the dead. And with about 1,200 years, there's a lot of dead people. And people have to go somewhere alive or deceased. So formerly, Christians weren't buried. Uh, but around the 9th century, members of the clergy wanted to be buried in their own parishes, which set a new trend for Christians who also wanted to be buried at their local church that they attended. And on top of that, you have more and more people cramming into homes, buildings being built, you know, all the things that come with people coming to a city. So this ended up limiting the space for burials. You literally had tens of thousands of people being buried in only 32 cemeteries. Wow. Cemeteries became so overcrowded, they started digging up the old graves, the ones that were of the people that were done decaying, essentially. Oh, no. And um, they put the bones in charnel houses. And a, a charnel house is essentially... Um, a place to store bones also. So, that's so sad. Did you pause it? Nope. Oh. <laughs> so basically what they were doing is um, burying the freshly dead in previously occupied graves. It's like they were waiting for the cooking timer to go off and were like, yeah, that body's done now and dug it up and put the bones in a shed and plopped in a new body. That's so upsetting. I'm, I'm not a, again, very religious person, but... To those who are, I feel like that is so disrespectful. Uh, I would be upset if that was my dead loved one. I mean, I'm guessing they're so yeah, far the gone. The family might not be there to fight for them, but that's just, that's not what they wanted. And it, it is that, like, once somebody has departed the planet and we've done whatever we're doing with their body, yeah, you just hope that's done. Like, disturbing graves and stuff is such a weird, oh. is such a weird thing, and it does feel disrespectful. Oh, what if it was like a family rivalry, rivalry where it was like the John Smith family was buried there and then their rivals, you know, the Carringtons got buried over them and the land was haunted forever. What Carrington pissed you off? That was a really random name you just chose. You know, there was a show I was watching. <laughs> That's, that was like the first thing I thought of on the spot. I don't know why Smith and Carrington, you think it'd be like... Yeah, Smith is like a pretty general last name though, but Carrington, I was like, huh. Who do you know? You'll never know. They've been long buried. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to get a little bit gross here, but diseases during this time were pretty rampant. Um, some of the hospitals were so unsanitary and had almost no ventilation. And what's kind of interesting here is part of them blocked off a lot of ventilation because they were next to cemeteries and they didn't like the smells coming from the cemeteries. And oh. so now you had no airflow or anything like 
that in the hospitals. Um, and so you might go into the hospital for, I don't know, like a leg wound and you would die of some other random disease that might have nothing to do with your leg wound. Ugh. Like that's how bad the hospitals were. The air in the hospitals and even some outside the hospitals were uh, thick with death and disease. So you could have anything like, um, like in Mean Girls. You will get chlamydia and die. <laughs> you will get chlamydia and die. Uh, even the hospitals complained about the smell uh, that were coming from the nearby cemeteries. So um, I've never actually smelt like a rotting corpse. But do you remember that time in high school that mouse died above my closet? Yes. Yes, I do. It was such a terrible smell. But to make it worse, my mom... <laughs> My mom thought that I had rotting food in there because I bring food into my closet apparently and leave it there and it <laughs> rotted. And my mom made me clear out my entire closet to find the source and there was no, there was no source. I didn't have any food in there. Turned out a mouse died above my closet and we just had to wait because it was like in between the walls and it was disgusting. So my <sighs> piles of clothes just sitting in my room waiting for that mouse to the smell shout pass. It was so disgusting. So it and that's so much smaller than a human. So much, yes. I, too, have uh, not spelled a dying human and uh, knock on wood that I do not anytime soon. I can only imagine. Yeah, it's... It's got to be horrible because uh, that's my only experience and that was horrible. So French officials sent in investigators to investigate the cemeteries and the report came back that, um, and it literally said, this is a quote, the burials that take place in Paris are thickening the air. And then, okay, so that's the end quote. And to add to the Disgusto El Barfo, it also read, quote, <laughs> Disgusto El Barfo? Yeah, that's when I think something's really disgusting. It's Disgusto El Barfo. Okay. <laughs> okay, so it read, quote, Cadavers buried beneath our feet create an otherwise mysterious illness in the city, end quote. The problem was here is that they did run out of room burying individual bodies and having private um, burials. So they just had mass graves. So huge pits of people where they would bury up to 1,200 bodies. And they just left these open. So as they were waiting to essentially fill it up, they just kept, left it open. It would toss in new bodies. So it's it's like today's like dumps or landfills where you're just like dumping yeah. a bunch of garbage, but it's people. Yes. And so you just, I mean, people lived by these cemeteries. I mean, people live by cemeteries today. And so people lived by them. They had to walk by them. I mean, on top of Again, them. you're in the city of Paris, okay? So this is not like you live in a rural area. This is a citywide problem. And I just need to say that I cannot imagine living in... A, so I, I live right outside of Houston now. I like going into the city, but I'm not a city girl. I can't imagine living in the city. Like, I'm a suburb girl, okay? I'm also not a country girl. I'm a city girl. Laney is a city girl, uh, but I don't know. Maybe it was like Walking Dead and stuff like that. It just really turned me off of living in a big city. I get yeah. really freaked out that there's going to be all of those apocalypses that are coming towards us. Yeah. You know, you just might not survive living in the big city. Exactly. Yeah, you're first to go. Well, also, my dog would be the first to be like, <laughs> <laughs> show where I am. She would go like right into the pit of zombie horde or oh, whatever. Yeah, I know. She's I know. like, you're going to play with me? No. <laughs> so uh, I just get so grossed out whenever I hear about the cities during the 17 through 1900s because especially when you go into like the industrial revolution where it's like 
you just throw your own feces out, though? Like, of the window, basically? Yeah, if people lit, like, tenement housing and stuff. It didn't have plumbing. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, but even the plumbing then, plumbing, I'm, like, using quotation marks, I mean, it was just, like, open in the ground, you know, kind of j- just flowing. I mean, that's so great. And there's pictures you can find Ew. of kids just sitting there in it, like, putting their feet in it, well, you know, just like you're putting your feet in a river. There's feces, there's pee, there's vomit, there's dead bodies, there's rotten food. I mean, all you can think of, it's there. Yeah, exactly. So cities were just, to me, they sound thick with fog and death and bad plumbing and diseases. I mean, diseases will always spread faster in cities. I mean, diseases. 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 Everywhere. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a country girl, but random accents come out of my mouth all the time. Sometimes they're country. Well, she acts like there's a bunch of diseases in downtown Houston just flowing down. I just mean, come COVID time, bubonic plague. I mean, you. I'm not comparing those two. Um, They, you know, people just get sick more often because you're living more shoulder shoulder versus like spread apart. So people in rural areas were not so much dying of the plague when people in cities were, you know, your neighbors would be dead. That seems to be where most of the serial killers go, though, Ashley, is the suburbs. Okay, well, currently not an issue, but I'll keep keep my eyes open. I have a theory of one in Houston, Texas right now. Oh, there are, okay, there are some weird mysterious deaths to men right now going on in Houston that are seemingly related. Lainey and I have been watching it and we feel like they're related, but we're not going to say anything now because we're just speculating. Okay, done with that. But cities just not for me to live in. So these grave sites started getting so full that the level of the ground rose over six feet above ground level. Mm -hmm. This means if you live near a cemetery, you could look out your window and possibly be looking up to a grave site. No, thank you. No. That's the hills are alive with the sound <laughs> of the <laughs> dead. <laughs> with the sound of corpses. That went really well. Ooh. That's a really creepy song. That was, yes. that was also kind of good. So very few people had any private burials. So they were pretty much all like mass graves at this time. So you just get tossed into a large pit with other deceased people. Um, but one of the hospitals that was having the worst time was St. Innocence. They had... St. So Innocent. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, they had over 90,000 burials in a mass grave. Like, not one mass grave, multiple mass graves, but 90,000 on one, by one hospital. So they're not so innocent. They probably killed off a bunch of people. I'm not saying they intentionally killed them off, but they did die of diseases and stuff that were probably preventable. Yeah. Like chlamydia. So... just kidding. Sorry. Stop bringing up chlamydia. How many times can you bring that up? Um, I have mean girls on the mind. You know what's worse than decaying bodies? Mm. What it attracts. Rats. Rats. Yes. Um, Rats were all over. I mean, rats are a problem right now in major cities. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but there's actually, now this is as of December 9th, 2022, they are looking for a, what was it, a czar? Like a rat czar? A rat czar for New York City. Yeah. um, Because the rat problem is so bad. And I'm, again, okay, I live more in the suburbs. I'm like, like, how bad of a problem? I mean, of course, I'm just reading about it, but they're all over. It's a problem 
today, okay, when we have modern technology. So now we're going into the 1700s with dead bodies. Yeah. Everywhere. And the smell of decaying yeah, bodies. And, and no everywhere. plumbing and just everything yes. dirty and disgusting. Yes. So take that times whatever. Rats were bad. And people were very upset with not only having to live with that smell, but all the rats that are now just hanging out around your house. Constant vermin infestation. So again, like I said, people live next to these cemeteries. Uh, One cemetery got so full that the ground actually caved in. And again, like I said, a lot of these places, like they had basements. The basement actually backed to the cemetery. So literally it just busted the wall into their basement. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No. So, bodies coming into your basement and the rats. Um, oh. So, if this is my house, um, I'm walking out and I'm taking a walk over to the King's Palace and I'm like, we're going to have a word because <laughs> that is so unacceptable. I would lose my shit. I, d- I just don't even know. I hope they don't have young babies or something. Like, Could you imagine just with children? No. No. So, like I said, the smells are mentioned over and over again. But there's somebody who was hired to look into the to the c- cadaverous vapors, as they called it. Um, the cadavers are? <laughs> the cadaver vapors are? Yes. That's what that would be, because they're really investigating the smell. Why is this smell here? I don't know. He reported back that the situation had gotten so bad, he said the cemeteries were more infectious than the hospitals. I mean, and you're talking about a hospital filled with diseased patients. And they're saying the cemeteries are worse. So he spoke to nearby residents and those residents reported respiratory problems, delirious episodes, issues with the liver and sudden violent vomiting. So that's a lot. Yes, that's a lot of different things. So um, there's only one solution and it's stop burying people. Um, They had to close the cemeteries permanently. So that's, of course, what this investigator reported back to the government. And the government did actually listen and close the cemeteries and made it forbidden to bury. Cool. That's step one. So we're not going to cause future issues. What do we do with the current issues? But do Um, we know what year this is now? Are we still in the 1700s? Yes. Yeah, we're still in the 1700s. So five years went by before architect Guillemot, who's still there, uh, was told to prepare himself to receive bodies to put in the quarries. So this is now where we're starting to get to the catacombs. So five years is not enough time for bodies to decompose. Uh, Bodies can take 10 to 12 years, uh, but I'm also thinking that's situational. How are you buried and stuff like that? Mass graves is going to be a whole other issue because there's oxygen and a lot of other sciencey things that have to take place to properly decompose. So a lot of these bodies were maybe halfway done. That sounds terrible. Halfway done. Yes. So St. Innocence, where you had the 90,000 bodies, uh, that's where they were told to start digging. They needed to get those bodies out of there. A mix of emotions. Yes, you're trying to solve a problem, but you're also un burying a bunch of people and so families were so appalled especially if their own loved ones are being pulled out of the ground i can't imagine and it's it's too many to where you can like watch your loved one get unburied and make sure they go to a new place i just feel like it's plucking them all out like Mm -hmm. it's piles of dirt and i'm such a bummer to think about yeah it is a bummer in the beginning they were um just bringing the bodies and dumping them down a shaft into the quarries okay so we're not at the nicer artsy catacombs that are there today. They're just throwing bodies in because again, they just need to have a place to house
kills the bodies, basically. So an interesting side note, because of the improper burials that were happening, bodies were not properly decomposing. And like we said, they weren't even in there long enough that a lot of the body tissue ended up turning into fat, which led to a lot of the horrific smell that was there, but also uh, made it very difficult to get bodies out because they were juicier than they would have normally been. (laughs) So the workers ended up having to collect vats of fat, which in case you're a recycler, they did repurpose it into soap and candles. Human fat. Oh, God. I can't even watch Shrek when he takes the earwax out of his ears and makes a candle. (laughs) So, like, thinking about actual I forgot about that. Yeah. Just thinking of actual human. I mean, Mm -hmm. hopefully the people buying those products at the time didn't know. Like, I know we have FDA now and you have to. Yeah. Hopefully they didn't know. In Hocus Pocus, isn't the Black Flame candle? Why why do I think that? Uh, Is that right? I don't know. I do think that is. It's got to be. I mean, it's fat of somebody. Yeah, I I think it is. It's witchy. Yeah, exactly. So, things had to get a lot worse before they got a lot better. The odors had to get a lot worse because they were reopening these mass grave sites that are, those bodies have been sitting there for quite a while now. So, a lot of people ended up forced out of their homes. That's how bad the smell was. So, now I'm not going to talk about this this part really today, um, but now we're getting to the point of the French Revolution. So, what I'm saying is I'm not going to sit here and talk much about the French Revolution, but several citizens were shot, of course, and they were immediately taken to the catacombs for disposal. This wasn't the initial plan. They wanted bones more so than, like, actually, and I really hate, I hate the word flesh, but for the sake of the story. Stop it. They wanted bones more so than the fleshy bodies. Um, I hate you right now. But even during the revolution, um, speeches were given by a lot of the um, pro-revolution or the revolutionaries um, about burial reform. Like that's how big of a deal it was, is that this was brought up as a big issue. The ways of the old administration clearly weren't working and they needed to still plan on what to do with the remaining bodies. Now, of course, the revolution is going to take a detour from really dealing with it. But even, you know, people that were pro-French revolution, anti-monarchy, um, were talking about, we have to have a plan for this because this is not okay in the city. So between 1786 and 1814, over 2 million citizens were dug up and almost all the burial sites were emptied. The revolution didn't help the body count though. Um, as the revolution was going on, the question was, what do we do with these fresh bodies? Fresh so, bodies. So couple different things. Um, when they were trying to get bodies down into the catacombs, bones, not fresh bodies because they didn't want rotting to go down into the quarries because that's a whole other thing. Um, So what they started doing was burying the bodies with quicklime, which was a quick way to decompose people. And then they would take them to the catacombs. But revolutions going on, chaos is going on. You stop having time to do things correctly. Yeah, if all the men are fighting in the war, what is doing all this decomposition of the bodies? Probably the old men. Probably some women. Again, I'm just, I'm guessing, but 
when I think of um, like a groundskeeper for a cemetery, I'm imagining an older man. Yeah. So, um, but this isn't going to be the case for every deceased person because, again, you're in a revolution. There's a lot of things going on and things just will get sloppy. Um, so, part of it is taking shape into what we see today because they were trying to use the quick line to decom- decompose bodies and then put bones in the catacombs, but they're not doing it in any artsy sort of way. But again, like I said, we get sloppy. So, what they start doing is burying people again. And uh, they did that for a little while during the revolution. Five cemeteries began to fill up again. And now you're having all the same issues. Decomposition, smells or cadaverous vapors, disease. Uh, Some places, little communities near the cemeteries were complaining that their animals were actually dying because the smell was so bad. Oh my gosh. Do you think that's true? Honestly, I don't know. Like like animals would be like eating on it so they would get sick. The next thing I'm going to talk about is you do have animals that are actually playing with. Ew. Yes. Pulling at the decomposing bodies and playing with it. Some of the grave sites were so bad that one person observed, quote, mutilated limbs lay everywhere, disgusting tatters, scattered and broken bones everywhere as though on a battlefield, end quote. Gosh, could you imagine just being like courted by a handsome gentleman taking a stroll by the cemetery, I guess, or anywhere at this point, and you're just watching all those limbs and, you know, way to kill yeah. a romantic vibe. Yeah, no like, romantic vibe. Paris, Paris, supposed to be the most romantic city in the world, but it was like more like the city of the dead for a long time. Yeah. yeah. No romance happened. Also, you, I'm sorry, again, because I, I know I've said this in another episode, but Lainey and I love Outlander. Love. Okay, but Outlander takes place in the later 1700s, and yeah. they don't talk about the smell once in Paris. Aren't they in America, then? In Paris, they're in America? No. The, Season the main, 2, where they're oh, in Paris. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Yes. I'm sure they're, I mean, it's a show. They're trying to be more artistic. Well, if they could just vomit every now and then so I could know that it was more realistic. Yeah. I mean, you see plenty of <laughs> horrible shit. But not no. only that, um, spoiler alert, Claire's pregnant in that season, so she should be vomiting she, anyway. She could just, like, vomit every episode. I would love yes. to see that on Showtime every day. <laughs> That's not on Showtime. It's on Stars. Oh, sorry, Stars. In 1809, under Napoleon Bonaparte, his expression was, men are only great through the monuments they leave behind them. So... Revolution over, Napoleon's leading. So with that in mind, Napoleon appoints Thury. Um, I cannot pronounce the first part of his name, so I didn't even write it down. Um, but So I'm just going to say Thury because I'm pretty disrespect. sure. Such disrespect. You I'm didn't even so write it down. I'm so sorry because I can't pronounce it. And I, I feel like I'm making it worse by trying to pronounce it. All right. I just pronounced the part that I'm pretty sure I can get right in four letters. Fine, Ashenaye. Nobody says my name that way. <laughs> now, a lot of people spell my name Ash Ellie, which I think is really interesting because I've never met an A-S-H-E-L-Y person. No. But I'm always Ash Ellie. <laughs> you really lucky that. Lainey, we really do. She has a nickname. It's Lainaye because she had a substitute teacher call her Lanaye. Oh my god. And so she has every, you know, every, all the time she's always Lanaye. Or if you're mad at her, Lanaye. That's great. Yeah, she also 
also messed up my last name, which I won't share unless you know me, but it was so bad. No one even knew that she was talking about me. It was like, it took a long time it, it was for an, it to be like, are you talking about Lainey? It was an A.A. Ron situation. <laughs> yeah. Jaqueline. Lainaye. Lainaye. That's me. Okay, so Napoleon appointed Thurry to head up the mines and the quarries. It was under Thurry that they would place the bones intentionally, carefully, and artfully. So in the catacombs, there are approximately 10 generations of citizens. That is six to seven million bodies. That is about three times the amount of people that currently live in Houston. Houston is big, okay? Houston has about 2.3 million people. I guess I don't know necessarily how big that is. It's not like a mega population or something, but I mean, it's a big city. So it officially became um, open to the public for viewing because Napoleon basically wanted people to go down there and be able to see the bones. And there are a lot of different reasons for this. So there was a mix of emotions from the citizens. Some people found it peaceful and respectful. Others, of course, are going to be disgusted and angered by the whole thing. The last bones ended up deposited in 1860. The last bones? Yes, the last of the bones that were going to be put in there. Was there like a, a moment for that? I just feel like that's... And the last bone the is last, placed. Yes. No, I it think they just... Because just... they, they, they stopped building out the catacombs. Yeah. And so they only had so many places to put them. Okay, okay I'm kind of venturing a guess here a little bit. We know that some caved in um, there are some places that were just too unsafe for workers to go. There are stories about people that worked in the catacombs, uh, like placing bodies and stuff like that. And then they would go other places in the catacombs and paint or draw artsy things. And they got caved in on. So there are only so many places I think they wanted to put the bones. Yeah. So as far as I know, the last of the bones were put in in 1860. So one thing I do want to point out is for several several decades there was no electricity so walking down with candles or lanterns to light the way is hell no really a scary thought for someplace that gets zero sunlight no you get one douche canoe to blow out your candle and it's like cool yeah you're totally screwed pitch pitch black I don't know if you've ever been in the pitch, pitch black. Like, you can't see a shadow or anything. It's very unnerving. We went on a mission trip to Burundi and took a trip to Kenya um, on safari. And we were, it's basically glamping. I'm not going to act like I was really roughing it there. But when we were there, you're intense. The power grid shuts off, kind, you know, like 9 o'clock, something like that. And you're in the woods. And we were kind of on a cliff. And it was I mean, black. Like, I can't see my hand in my face. I can't see a shadow. There's no street lights. There's no moonlight because you're in the woods. It's extremely unnerving. And all I could hear were the hippos. No. <laughs> yes. In the river, just like fighting. And it, it was wild. And what was kind of interesting is the next morning, the uh, a staff member asked us if we locked our tent and four girls. We were like, no. And he was like, well, baboons come in at night sometimes 
Well, seemed like a warning you should have given us last night. Thank God, because literally it would have been so dark. I probably wouldn't even know a baboon was attacking me. Like, I would think it's a man attacking me or something. That's what's crazy. So, I've been in the pitch, pitch black before. And it's just, it's crazy. Even when the power grid goes out now, or like the, what, the blackouts or whatever. Yeah, we still have the the light. Moonlight, something. This was nothing. And I was so freaked out because I just I don't think I've ever really been in the pitch pitch black for that long no so anyway that kind of underground in the catacombs like you right no so that's that's what I then that's where my head went I'm like oh my gosh this is a time of no electricity so you know people are just walking down there with their candles hoping for the best uh today you can go visit the catacombs uh, but you will not be able to see every human body that's in it you will only see a very small portion there is much more beyond what you actually see but there are catafiles as they call them that break in to explore the remaining halls. Um, interesting info, Louis XIV liked mushrooms that grew in the catacombs. Of course, they were, it was <laughs> not so much the ossuary that it is, um, but the climate and the darkness were perfect for mushroom farmers. And so they did have mushrooms growing so down there. was he like eating mushrooms and food or was he totally shrooming out? Just like... He ate uh, them as food. Hallucinating. I don't think he was hallucinating. Um, <laughs> Gotta get those shrooms from the catacombs. <laughs> My catacomb shrooms. Um, so today there's only a few mushroom producers that produce down there. But if it makes you feel any better, they are not growing next to dead bodies or anything like that. But it is interesting because there are pictures you can see of them growing mushrooms down there. And they are real Paris mushrooms. And it's kind of a delicacy. They just tell you that they're growing inside human bones. That's not true. It's not. <laughs> so if you're wondering the cause of death of a lot of these people, we know that several were from the French Revolution. Some died naturally. Some died of old age. Some got the guillotine or guillotine, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I say some guillotine. died before Jesus. Some died long before. That was really Rome. Some oh, of these, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, sorry. Um, this is Paris catacombs. But they actually believe the vast majority of the bones that are down there actually came from the bubonic plague. People that died from the Black Death, which was the deadliest epidemic in history, which I thought was super interesting. Uh, But I wanted to end this on a positive note since it's been kind of a morbid episode. What's kind of amazing about the catacombs is it's meant different things to different people, but a lot of it is really a symbol of equality. Bones are from the rich and the poor, from friends and from enemies, all housed in this one area. So in death, everyone is equal. And as one writer put it, the greatest of enemies all slept together and became friends. Oh, that's really beautiful. So, if you're ever in Paris, take a look look at the catacombs. I was watching videos of different people that have been in the catacombs. I myself have not been there, but... I would love to go. People have very different feelings about being in there. Some some of it heavy, some of it beautiful and artistic. Um, but you know that you're seeing bones of people from 
all walks of life. And so that to me is kind of cool that they're all buried together and it really is a symbol of equality. Yeah, I think it would be a really beautiful place to go. I think I would feel weird, but you know, I've also been to like the Holocaust Museum and you know, that's that's very heavy, sad. That is very heavy. I think, um, you know, I think it, there would be sadness, but it would also just be amazing to see you know, the yes. history of, and, and of our world. A lot of these people Good didn't bad. necessarily die in the same way through the concentration camps oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Sure. So good and bad, you see a lot of the bones. What you're primarily seeing are femurs and skulls. Um, so you're not getting all of it. Um, some are buried more behind the walls. Uh, some I don't know where, but you're only getting a very small portion. I think you only walk about a mile of the catacombs, and there are actually about 200 miles. Even mm-hmm. a mile is a long time to walk when underground. You're, when you're in that atmosphere, like <sighs> yeah, we it's did. Dark. We did underground um, Seattle, which yes. was fascinating. That was awesome, but so trippy being under the city and so I, the catacombs have to be such a wild experience so I can't wait to, to make a visit. Yeah one day for sure and if you guys make a visit please let us know. We would love to hear your stories and anything you know about anything we've talked about today. Yeah. I want to hear your experience. I want to hear your spooky story. I want to hear your weird real estate stories and things that happened and you can send those in to haunted re pod at gmail.com haunted re for real estate pod.com and follow us on instagram at haunted.real.estate and i'm ashley and i'm laney and have a great day have a lovely day goodbye <laughs>